Welcome to the No Neutral Moments Podcast. My name is Patrick Payton, and it's my pleasure to discuss, to explore, and maybe even to discover what it means for each one of us to live our lives fully engaged, to challenge each one of us to be fully aware, and completely expecting to engage to the fullest everything we've been designed, called, and gifted to be. So with all this in mind, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get engaged. Well, hello there, and welcome to the No Neutral Moments podcast. My name is Patrick Payton, and I'll be your host through this episode of No Neutral Moments. Again, thank you so much for the time that you invest with us here at No Neutral Moments. And I feel like a a little bit of a broken record here, but uh, I have a tremendous team that helps me out. And in the midst of uh, chasing down a mayoral job and taking care of a podcast and a company, uh, sometimes... I'm not able to capitalize on the ideas they have for expanding uh, the reach of the podcast and for making uh, things even better as a podcast. So I just want to acknowledge my team who is trying to push me to do more and to do better things. And uh, they've got great ideas. And sometimes uh, right now what I can get to is just getting this thing recorded. So I also want to just thank you as an audience. Uh, It's incredible. Uh, the uh, attention you pay to this podcast. It's incredible how you share this podcast, and we just want to ask you to continue to share this podcast with your friends and your family and your work associates, and uh, sure hope that it is um, a blessing to you and it helps you in your life. Uh, Sometimes people ask me, how do you know what you're going to talk about in the podcast? And quite frankly, uh, I usually just watch what's going on around me, and try to ask myself, is this an example of a non-neutral moment? And full disclosure, you know, by the time you're listening to this podcast, who knows where we're going to be with the presidential election. Uh, I, I had this whole political thing I was going to do today. I'm recording this on, uh, Wednesday, the day after the, uh, voting day. I was going to say the day after the election, but I don't even know when the election is going to be over since it wasn't the night of November 3rd. And I had this whole spiel that I was going to give you, and it was going to be along the lines of what a a follower of Jesus's response should be related to politics. So I got this whole thing churning. I'm ready to go on it, ready to get after it. And uh, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday afternoon while I'm recording this. And on Wednesday mornings, every other Wednesday morning, I go do this radio show here in town. All this is about how do I, how do I get to the No Neutral Moments podcast episodes, and this is how we get to this one. So I, I go to the radio station. I try to get there early. I'm one of those kind of people that likes to get to appointments early, which usually means I sit outside in my truck and have a book or something that I read until it's time to go in. And this is no exception. I pull up to the uh, radio station, and I've got about 10 minutes before it's time to uh, get inside and get on the air. And I hear this, well, I kind of see out of the corner of my eye, and this guy knocks on my window, and it's a friend of mine uh, that I've uh, known for quite some time. And he's just checking on me and roll my window down, obviously, and say, what's up? And we start having this conversation and he shares a story with me that I needed to hear. And literally when he leaves and, you know, we say goodbye, all the niceties to each other, have a great day. And he takes off his, his office is actually in the same building I'm getting ready to go into for this radio show. When he takes off, I have one of these moments where I just go, my goodness, that was 
a literally non-neutral moment, and I'm going to talk about that. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. So, so let me let me just tell you the story that he told me, and then I'll I'll sort of turn the corner here. He was telling me the story about a lesson he learned and from his mother just recently, and um, and the story he had learned from his mother was uh, they were in the midst of a conversation and his mother started um, like drawing pictures in the carpet in their house. And he basically said to his mother, what are you doing? And she said, well, you know, you talk about Jesus. And I remember this story that at one point Jesus, um, the person who's in control of all things all the time, started riding in the dirt when people started confronting him and and exacerbating a situation. And the first thing he did was get down there and start riding in the dirt. And she basically says to my friend, her son, you know, maybe you need to take a lesson from Jesus. Now, that's a little bit of the story. And and you say, really? That kind of, um, you thought that was a non-neutral moment? Well, let me explain. Because as I sat and thought about it, I thought, you know, in the midst of this season that is filled with such noise and chaos. I mean, think about it. it whether whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, um, whether it's your email, whether it's a text message, whether it's television and all the different news stations and everything else. I mean, whatever is going on out there, every corner, there's so much noise and there is so much chaos. And so... I got to thinking about that story, and I even went back, and I, when I got back to my office over the lunch hour, I read the story that my friend was referring to that's found in the Bible in John chapter 8. And, and, and I want to, so here's what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to talk to you guys about two rules that I was reminded of this morning, and they are rules that I needed to be reminded of, especially when the pressure and the tension of our lives is escalating. And I don't know of anybody right now that doesn't have pressure escalating in their lives. Even uh, to a small degree, we all seem to have pressure escalating in our lives. And so the two rules are going to be the following. The first one is going to be the 24-hour rule. 24-hour rule. It was a rule that I um, have tried to apply, not successfully all the time, but I learned it several years ago from a business executive that I've never met, but I listened to him speak and I thought that's a good rule and I put it in my life. And the second rule is going to be taken directly from this story of the life of Jesus and I'm just going to call it the drawing in the dirt rule. And so two things, the 24-hour rule and the drawing in the dirt rule. Let's start with the 24-hour rule, okay? And then I'll get back to the story of Jesus and why this was so important to me, both of these. So here's the 24-hour rule. When it comes to anything digital, or better yet, when it comes to something that's not face-to-face or voice-to-voice. So uh, most of us probably, um, that's probably an unfair statement. Many of us know what it's like to converse via text message on important items or to converse via um, email about important items. And, and this doesn't apply to Zoom conversations because that's a face-to-face, right? Even though it's kind of weird and I hate them, it's, it's still face-to-face. Now, why am I saying when this comes to anything digital or better yet, not face-to-face or voice-to-voice? Here, here's the rule. The rule is when it comes to important situations, now we're not talking about text messages from a friend that say, hey, what are you doing? Want to go out and eat? Something like that. We're, we're talking about 
important questions. We're talking about things that need to be thought about. We're talking about important matters, and you know the difference. And and really, text message is probably a little lighter. Really, these things are, are in emails sometimes. The rule is 24-hour rule. You don't respond for at least 24 hours. Now, there's a little caveat to this rule, okay? You say, what is a caveat? There's a little exception to the rule. You are going to have to determine what the appropriate wait time is and don't make my statement a 24-hour rule, um, you know, concrete, so to speak. In other words, you may be in a position or in a career or something like that where if you were to wait 24 hours to deal with something important, then uh, you'd get fired. Where you apply this rule is when the stakes are higher in the emotional category. In other words, something is really, really, really revved up. People are... Um, foaming, so to speak, at the mouth. They are frothing over an issue. You can sense the anger in an email. You can sense the tension in an email or a text message. So when things are filled with pressure, when things are filled with emotion, we're going to back up and we're going to apply the 24-hour or whatever is an hour long enough or hours long enough for you to feel like you've let the tension sort of settle in. So, you know... um, Remember the following, email and digital communication that comes to your inbox, whatever that inbox is, is always on someone else's time invading your time. And there, there are exceptions. Again, you, you've got to work this through your paradigm here because there's emergencies. But, but you, what I'm talking about is not an emergency. You know I'm not talking about that. And you know I'm not talking about... You got a text from a friend or you got a text from an associate or you got one of those quick emails or something like that. But then again, the question is, are you reacting to digital communication or are you responding to the question or issue of communication? That is a very, very important difference. And some of you aren't even old enough to know what it was like to have to communicate without email or text message or social media. You don't even know what it's like to have to wait on a phone call to be returned. You don't know what it's like to have to leave a message and it's the only communication you have. And really, you don't even know what it's like to have lived in a day where if somebody doesn't call you back till the next morning, that was quite fine because they were on their time. They were doing their day. That takes me back to this point. Email and digital communication is someone else's time imposing on your time. And so it's going to beg the question, are you controlling the events of your life so you can apply the 24-hour rule? See, if, you, if you're controlling the events of your life, then the response needs to be a planned event and not a reaction. Or at the very least, your response needs to be placed in a planned time for such events. This is a discipline I have a very difficult time applying, but what I try to do is deal with email in blocks when I am prepared to answer these questions rather than all of them all the time, anytime they arrive. I don't have anything on my phone that alerts me that I have a new message. I want to be able to look when I want to look to see new email messages or text messages. This is so very hard because we literally, and all of you know this, Simon Sinek's talked about this and other people have talked about this, Whenever we see or hear the, um, the notification, there's literally a chemical response in our body, and we want to respond to it. That's why it's, it's literally addictive 
to see the little red dots on your phones or to hear the chime that says you have a message. It, it's literally an addiction. So we are we feel more needed and more important the quicker we respond. So I'm just going to stop with that, let you sort of marinate on that, and encourage you with the 24-hour rule, or whatever you think is the acceptable time rule, so that you are responding thoughtfully rather than reacting in the moment. And just in case, you know, I feel like I have to say this all the time, you have to be wise to decide, is this something I should respond to right now or react to right now, or can I pause and respond to it appropriately? Don't be afraid to pause and respond. So let's get to this next issue. I told you I'd talk to you about two things, 24-hour rule and drawing in the dirt. So let me review the story for you um, that's in the Bible. Whether you believe the Bible to be true like I do, or you think it is a book of parables uh, that are just stories that have a spiritual meaning uh, from an earthly story, but you don't think it's inspired or authoritative, then just treat it as a story because it's still a tremendous story. And remember, this comes out of a conversation in the parking lot this morning. But in this story, which you can find in the Bible, in the book of John chapter 8, there are some incredibly religious people um, in Jesus' time. They had these names called Pharisees and Sadducees, and, and they were basically the very religious people. They knew all the rules. They knew all the law. They knew exactly how to do everything you're supposed to do in order to be accepted by God. And the reality was Jesus had come in and he was going to wreck their religious world. And so the story's crazy in the sense that Jesus is in the temple area, which is, you know, the important religious area in this story. And the Pharisees and Sadducees actually, the story says, they bring to Jesus a woman caught in the act of adultery. That is filled with so many questions, you know, just who caught the woman? Did they find the woman? Uh, One could even surmise that maybe one of them was the offending party and then became very religious and started blaming her. But you have basically a group of men who are religious bigots, and they have found this woman who has broken the religious law. And you find out when you read in the Old Testament in this book of Leviticus that it basically says, not basically, it says, if a man or a woman are caught in the act of adultery, they are to be stoned. They are to be killed. And so the very religious people take this lady and, and it's you just imagine, start thinking with me about the scene and just uh, it's whether it's outdoors or semi outdoors, it's hard to know whether it's, it was probably outdoors because of what happens here in a minute. It's probably dusty. It could be windy. Here's this, this Jesus figure who people have been watching and seeing. Here's these religious zealots. And, and, and they take this lady who has been, quote-unquote, caught in the act of adultery. You can imagine them throwing her down in front of this man named Jesus and saying, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. And, and the way the, the language is, you, if you don't know this about the Bible in the New Testament, it wasn't written in English originally. It was written primarily in Greek. So it's a very interesting language, a very uh, theatric language. They're just making these very pointed judgments about her. They are, you can almost nitpicky sort of nagging, hey, Jesus, 
this woman's been caught in adultery. And in the tone of their voice, you can hear them saying, you know that we know that she is supposed to be stoned to death. And we've been watching you and you're supposed to be God. You claim to be God. So what are you going to do about this? And, and you can only imagine, since we're outdoors and these are the religious leaders of the day, dragging this woman through town, that there's a crowd. There's going to be people watching what's going down here. And, and, and so when you think about this, the, the, these, these religious people finding someone, dragging them in front of Jesus, and, and, and this, this nagging picture, and here's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who you know in this particular time could have blistered them with some type of comment. Or he could have said, you're right, let's just kill her. But in the midst of this, in the midst of this pressure, with a crowd watching, with the heat on of what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? The Bible says Jesus kneels down and he just starts drawing in the dirt. Now, forever, as long as the Bible's been around, no one has been able to authoritatively say what Jesus wrote in the dirt or what he drew in the dirt. It, there, it, and there's actually no description that we can tell of how long he doodled in the dirt, how long he drew this picture or wrote these words. There's, there's no description of time or content. We're just told in the midst of this heated issue. I mean, we're talking, no exaggeration, life or death. Think about that. The story I just told you, the law of the land, the law of the Jewish people, of which Jesus was part of, was, you get caught in adultery, you're going to die. So we're talking about a heated, accusatory situation that can literally turn a corner to life and death. And Jesus starts drawing in the dirt. We don't know how long. I mean, think about it this way. What if it was only this long? And I'm just going to pause for a minute. What if it was only this long? I mean, that is uncomfortably long. And you know for him to kneel down, start drawing. I mean, I just, I, my imagination runs wild. Like he's looking around maybe, taking a look at the lady, you know, just looking her in the eye, and you can almost sense he's, his eyes are telling her, it's going to be all right, hang on a minute. The religious people are, you know, probably arms crossed, arms on their hips, looking at each other, what in the world's going on? Crowds gathering around, people are like, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on? Um. And he's, he, dude's just drawn. And here's the deal. He stands up and he says to these religious people, he says, here's the deal. He who was without sin can go ahead and throw the first stone. So he, he's, he's acknowledging the law. Yeah, she's supposed to die. So I'll tell you what we'll do. Whichever one of you is sinless, you throw the first rock. You, 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 you throw the first rock at her head and get this party started. And the way the Greek language reads, which is so cool, I'll just describe it in simple terms to you. Jesus makes an emphatic statement, just a pointed statement. Hey, whoever's got the least sin or no sin, you throw the first stone. That's it. The language describes it in such a way that when the Pharisees are thinking about it, it just keeps replaying in their minds. In other words, it's ringing in their ears. 
They, they're like, what? And then it says, one by one, her accusers left, beginning with the oldest, working to the youngest. So you can see how that works. Like the, the oldest are like, game over. The youngest are like, no, I'm going to stand my ground. And then eventually they're all gone. And Jesus says to this lady, where are your accusers? And he says, go and sin no more. You're free. Now, what's the point of this whole thing? Well, you've heard me talk about your security, your identity, your belonging, and your purpose. All of these truths that we've learned so much about that I've been able to pass on to you from Dr. Kathy Cook. Is your trust secure enough? And do you understand who you are? And do you have confidence in your belonging and at least some clarity in your purpose that you are strong enough as an individual that when it's all blowing up around you, you can pause for a moment and draw in the dirt to the point where people have to think, I wonder what he or she is thinking. I wonder what he or she is going to say. So that in the midst of drawing in the dirt or applying the 24-hour rule, you can get your thoughts together. You can work through your values and your personal constitution. You can pause for a minute and think about what you really believe in and what's really at stake here and realize that whatever this moment is, that many people want to see a reaction. That this isn't a neutral moment. That it's an engaged moment that needs to be filled with purpose that comes from a responsive person who's willing to pause and draw on the dirt because you see life bigger, you trust a bigger God, you have a bigger vision, and you're ready to respond. You see, it's, it's easy to react. It's easy to react. Sometimes I'm so guilty of um, acting like my, my brain and my life is like my funny bone. You hit it, and all of a sudden, my arm flies. And sometimes when things hit my brain, my mouth flies off. Or an email comes across, and my fingers just start igniting, so to speak. But maybe, in a day and age when there's so little civility, and I don't care whether that's about a Democrat or a Republican, a religious person or a non-religious person, when there's so little civility and just respect for humanity, and everything seems to be a reaction. That a tweet just now gets a tweet right now, and we respond to this post, and we respond to that post, and we respond to that email, and the word responds the wrong. We react. We have a world made up of reaction. But maybe it's time that we start a movement of people who just apply a 24-hour rule and maybe we start a movement of people who say, you know what, I'm going to spend some time here in the dirt drawing some pictures. And then when I get up, what I say is going to be a proper response and not a cheap reaction. No such thing as a neutral moment, folks. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>